This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com. You're listening to The Church Boys Free Fall Q&A. It's Billy Hollowell here with The Church Boys, and we have Rusty Page um, back on the line. We talked with Rusty a couple of weeks ago. Um, he is the foster father of Lexi, who was taken away from his family. Uh, she had spent about four years living with the Page family um, in foster care with them. How are you doing today, Rusty? Oh, we're doing okay. Um, I know it's been uh, about, tw- is it 21 days now since Lexi was gone? Yeah, today marks the 21st day. Mm. Um, I know, and and we will be linking out to give people details on all the background so we don't have to dive into all of that here again. Um, But I wanted to ask just how you guys are holding up, how you and your wife are doing, and how your kids are doing. It was a pretty dramatic and traumatic event, the removal. So just take me through how you guys have processed that the last few weeks. Um, The the last few weeks have been... um, have been difficult. Um, obviously, I mean, we've, we've lost a, a very important part of our family. Um, but the reality of it is that we've, we've stayed encouraged because we know that, that God is good. Um, and we've had such a, a out, outpouring of love from our, our community and our, our church and friends. Um, so we've been able to be encouraged through that. Um, it still doesn't mean that we don't, uh, we don't have times of, of sadness where we we think about how much we miss her and then think about um, how she's doing um, and just wondering how she's doing and, and just praying for her that she's doing well and that God's protecting her. Um, so, yeah. Now, you and, and that comment, I think, is sort of my ne- – that leads to my next question of, you know, this wondering of how she's doing. Have you guys had any ability – I mean, this is a child who – outside of visits to this family um, here and there, had, had really been with you guys the majority of the time for four years, since she was two years old until she was you know six now, um, and has not, I assume, had much contact with you, or has she? Um, no, we haven't spoken to her at all, um, or the family in Utah. We did, we did send a care package um, and don't, don't know if she got it or um, if it was an encouragement to her or anything. Uh, now, are you not allowed to speak to her? You know, what are sort of what to what you know level you can speak to? What are some of the parameters surrounding that? Why haven't you been able to talk to her? Um, I mean, we've we've reached out and tried to, but um, we've been not allowed to at this point. Do you see that changing in the near future? Um, our attorneys are working on that to to try to get that to change, but. Um, I mean, it was something that that I had voiced beforehand as a concern that um, their actions of allowing us to speak to her during visits outweighed their their words of saying that they would in the past. How have you been given a reason why you've not been allowed to have contact with her? 
Um, not, I mean, not really, not a, not one that makes sense. It just would seem to me, and and again, I'm not a child psychologist, and I'm probably not even that bright, but looking at this ding, situation, ding, 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 and, ding, ding. <laughs> yeah, Chris is seconding that, but but looking at this situation in all seriousness, and and having a child who again was with you for four years and considered you parents from every account that I've seen from, and talking to a social worker, or at least one social worker who was involved in this case, um, to re- from removing her and then not allowing any communication that would seem traumatic to her I mean, and I would, and also to your own children who have known her for four years. Um, mm-hmm. Have your lawyers tried to make that point? Has the other side had any response to that? Yeah, and we've definitely made that point. I mean, it's, I can say without any doubt that, that it's traumatizing to Lexi and, you know, I mean, obviously we can, we can cope as, as a, a family missing Lexi because we have each other and we can, we can talk our children through that. And yes, they're very sad about it and, you know, go to bed crying at nighttime. Um, but at the end of the day with Lexi, um, it's, it's traumatizing. I mean, it's no matter, no matter what people's view are of whether she should have been pulled out of our family or not. I think a majority of experts and a majority of people even involved in the case all agreed that, um, being able to communicate with us is, you know, her primary caregivers and the people she identified as family um, is very important. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things that came up in this case, and I know that there were recommendations that this happened and for some reason it didn't happen was that maybe this, if it had to happen, the removal that maybe it was more gradual um, than showing up at the house and taking her um, in the way that, in the way that they did. Uh, do you have any insight into why there wasn't more of a gradual sort of transition out if that was going to be the end result of this? Um, no, I mean, it, I have some insight, but not not that's publicly okay. um, available. But, I mean, for the most part, it was that was something that, that we had spoken about. Um, you know, obviously, our, our primary stance has been that, that we don't feel that it was in our best interest to leave. Um, but we had we had had conversations around a, a more gradual and graceful plan, so to speak. Um, I want to ask you, and this is a tough question to ask, and and maybe you want to ask it, Chris, about critics. You can feel free to jump in if you if you want if you want to. No, go ahead. Okay, I'll, I'll let you, handle you know, it. and maybe you'll have a follow up to this. But I know that this, this case has attracted like any. I mean, this has been a hugely public case over the last few weeks. Um, it's attracted a lot of opinions and. I guess my first question, how do you guys cope or deal with the negative opinions and how much have you heard them? Are people calling you? Are they reaching out with negative feedback? You take I know you're getting positive feedback, but just tell me a little bit about the negative. Yeah, I mean at the end of the day, we don't my wife and I don't really do Facebook. Um, you know, we do get um we do get updates of of the positive feedback and comments on our website and we'll occasionally go look at uh look at our main Facebook page. Um we don't really wander out beyond that. I mean, we have we have had several people reach out to us with some of the negative feedback, um, and a lot of them are reaching out specifically for clarity as to, you know, what's the what's the case here, and you know, they're they're seeking truth as opposed to, um, just assuming that what's being said is true. I mean, as as an example, one of the one of the things that's been circulating a lot is that we are. Um, and I, I don't know if I'm quoting this correctly, but basically serial baby stealers and that we're, yes. we're continually doing foster care and, and trying to, to adopt babies. 
and that you tried, you tried to sue somebody previously for a baby, which I know that we addressed this in the last interview, and that was something that you had said had not happened. Yes, I mean, it, you know, the, that was circulating enough that, you know, one of the, one of the things that, that we've been um, blessed by is just that we've made sure that our testimony in the past um, was reflective of, of what we're called to be as Christians, and um, we actually had a L.A. County social worker who had been our social worker on only other foster case reach out to us and say, look, um, I want to set this record straight because this is far from true. Um, so, you know, we, we posted that on our Facebook page, and, you know, I don't know what the reactions to other people were. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, our, our previous foster case was anything but us trying to steal a baby. Um, we actually had no intention of adopting him at all. Hmm. And, and go ahead. Go, you know, you go ahead, the, la- the last time you were on, you talked about that there, there appeared to be, or we read into it, there, there appeared to be, and you didn't uh, deny it, that there appeared to be some sketchiness or some hinkiness going on with uh, some of the moves that were made and some of the process that was, processes that were followed uh, in this case. Can you give us any more clarity on that? Is that stuff that's going to be revealed in the case? I mean, what are you allowed to talk about? Have you Have you been given a gag order? Are you even allowed to say you've been given a gag order? (laughs) Um, Well, I've been given a gag order. Um, I'm limited to basically speaking about things that are already public through through the Court of Appeals opinions. Um, And at at the end of the day, um, what what we did to help summarize everything is we took the Court of Appeals document and we um, we created a parenthetical fact sheet on our website, SaveOurLexi.com, um, and really the goal for us is that when, when we first started um, this fight three years ago, um, we just made a promise to, to we being my wife and I, made a promise to God and to each other that we would, we would focus on truth um, and speak the truth and allow the truth to be what guided where we were going. Um, so to me, the, the uncontested court document um, has, has the most verifiable facts in it, um, and so we, we literally just took facts straight from there as, as our means of, of correcting some of the rumors out there. So um, the court, There's a lot more information that's not in there, but we're not publicly able to discuss. So the court cases, uh, again, I don't want to get you in any trouble here, the court cases that you're currently in now that aren't the Court of Appeals cases, but I, I, there, is, there are court processes being followed now. Is that correct? Correct. We're, we're currently in the process of, of is, an appeal. Is that something that is not an open court process? There's nothing, I mean, there's no way that the public would be have access to it? Um, I'm not sure. I think the Court of Appeals, um, if, if we end up doing arguments, um, are open to the public. Yeah. Um, the, the, actual, the actual document at the end of the appeal, um, which would be the opinion generated by the, the justices, would be available on the California government website. Um, so, I mean, that's, we've referenced that. So, I mean, what you'll notice is most of what we've referenced is the appellate court decisions. Um, the superior court decisions are not public. Um, so our, was... first, our first appeal was not just public, but actually a citable case law, whereas our second one is, is it's publicly available, but it's not citable, so to speak. Well, that's interesting. So and you can, you're appealing to the state Supreme Court right now? Is that correct? No, we're appealing to, um, to the District uh, Court of Appeals right now. Okay. okay. Um, we had gone to the California Supreme Court to, um, to basically try to take the case away from the Court of Appeals. Um, 
know, denial of, of our writ of supersedious, which was the stay. Hmm. Um, but at this point, we're waiting um, for the Court of Appeals to make their decision, and based on that decision, we're prepared to go to the California Supreme Court if need be. Can I ask you a question, and you're obviously going, you'll have a bias on this, and I would understand that you would, and you may not be able to answer it. When you talk about, when we talked about the visits that Lexi had with the Utah family, um, mm-hmm. would you say over the years that that she had developed a relationship that was very comfortable with those um you know, individuals, or would you say, and I guess the second part of that is, was it as comfortable as her relationship with you and Summer? Or less comfortable? Um, yeah, I mean, it, all I can really say is what's in the court documents, which is that that Lexi did struggle going on visits, um, but that she was able to, to recoup basically knowing that she was coming home. Um, and then, you know, the story that I always tell people is, um, it's not a matter of whether or not the family in Utah is good or not, um, mm. or even if she's comfortable with them. It's it's more a matter of who does she view as her family, um, and that's why I gave the story of my you know my grandma growing up. I grew up with her. She actually supported us for a majority of of our uh, growing up. If somebody were to remove me from my parents' house and take me to my to live with my grandma. Um, it would be traumatizing still, even though I had a very strong relationship with my grandma. Yeah. Um, so it's more a matter of who does Lexi view herself um, as as her family, and and that was uncontested in court. Um, if you look at the court of appeals documents, everybody agreed, including the opposition, that she was deeply bonded and attached as her primary attachment to our family. Hmm. And then. You know, another tough question that I think is will be might be difficult to some degree. Although you've heard this, uh, you know, one of the critiques is that you know pe- the critics will say, "Well, you knew about this from the beginning. You knew there was a chance that because she had you know Native American blood in her, even if it was one percent, that she might be taken back." And had you not challenged it, and this is what the critics will say: had you not challenged that, that that bond wouldn't have grown as tight because it was only a year or two that she had been there, and that and that when you guys started challenging it, that it extended the time and therefore made the relationship stronger. How do you respond to those critics that try to sort of dismiss the situation based on, on those claims? I mean, first of all, I'd say that, that it's easy for them to say that because they didn't live it. Um, but even, even the judge herself, the trial judge herself, and this is in the, in the court documents, um, admitted that in the short period of time, not even, not even uh, leading up past reunification services being terminated, that Lexi recovered substantially from her psychological issues as a result of broken attachment. Um, so she was deeply bonded and attached even at a year. And that's, that's what the trial court in the initial trial found. And that's, that's why they had made the reasoning that that was a good reason for Lexi to stay with us. Um, and yet they had to decide for her to leave based on what they thought was the law saying that they had to. And that's why the Court of Appeals basically reversed them and said, you know, look, you used the wrong standard for determining that Lexi had to leave based on good cause or not not showing good cause. So by by showing good cause and giving the judge the ability to to rule that way, um, it, it shows that we weren't the only ones that viewed Lexi as bonded and attached. Even her own attorney at the time uh, filed a do not remove order and was opposing her moving from our home. 
um, at the time of reunification services being terminated. And then, Chris, I don't know if you have anything else. The last question I had was just, and and I, forgive me if I have asked you this, but I wanted to confirm and double check it again because there's so many details. When you guys took her in as a foster child, were you aware of the one percent Native American? Had that already come up? Had her had her family or her father already pursued that? Yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, um, that was actually the main reason why we did respite care for for Lexi is that her previous foster family, when they found out about ICWA, um, basically said, "We can't deal with this. We want to adopt her," and and they had to turn in their their. Uh, seven-day notice. Um, so when we brought her in, that's why I keep telling people, it was, we brought her in based on respite care, um, and that's why we were working towards reunification with the birth father. Um, however, during that time of reunification, we saw that she had a lot of major issues. Um, and so part of our, um, not our job, but part of what uh, we felt that we had to do is help her overcome those issues. And you do that by showing love and consistency. Um, so by the time reunification services were failing, um, or reunification rather was failing, Lexi herself had already become bonded and attached by that point in time. Um, so it, was, it wasn't until after reunification services were terminated that we began pursuing adoption. Very good. And Chris, do you have anything else? Uh, I'm good. I'd, I'm just uh, disgusted by the whole process but that's well, not my job and the only other thing actually that i would ask is you know if you don't win this appeal what options do you have left um i mean so if we don't win the the district court of appeals we go to the california supreme court um and then from there we go to um we go to the federal supreme court okay and the federal supreme court if people review what was uh, what was said in the baby veronica case um, the people who, who ruled for baby Veronica staying with her adoptive parents, um, the, the judges made it very clear that they're, that they're looking for cases specifically around the abuse of, of ICWA. Hmm. Well, um, I appreciate your time and let's please keep in touch. Yeah. I, you know, normally we don't have people on this close to the last time they were on, but I think this case has a lot of elements that are that are continuing to confuse people and it's helpful to kind of get them into context and I appreciate you taking the time to help us do that. Thanks, Rusty. Yeah, and, and like I said, I mean, anyone who's confused, the, the facts are really what, what God calls us to look at and, and that's what that's why we've made such a big deal in pointing to the facts. Right. Well, listen, I appreciate your time, and I thank you for coming on with us. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. founder of this company 10 years ago was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com.